This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Candidates is calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you think about that? Ridiculous. Would your husband ever take one of those? I mean, we haven't even discussed. We would never even discuss something like that. Jill Biden on CNN. It's ridiculous. We wouldn't even discuss that. Uh, and then shortly after Jill Biden made those comments. And I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a, a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, <laughs> see if I had a brain. I think most people could say that. You get, oh, you're being self-effacing. But Joe Biden says it, and it's like, you know, there might be, he might finally be speaking a little bit of truth there. <laughs> Want to bring in Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft? Let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Ashcroft. Thanks for being here. First of all, do you think poli- I don't think politicians should have competency tests because if you're going to take it above a certain age, I think everybody should take it. I'm not a fan of a competency test for politicians. You have any thoughts on that? I think it would be very demoralizing if we actually had a black and white test and realized how incompetent most of our politicians were. Demoralizing. I like that. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rathard, Stephanie Bell, John Marsh, Brian Houseworth, producer Hannah is here. Uh, so I want a couple of things. I want to start with a headline, uh, Missouri Independent. The headline is Jay Ashcroft withdraws Missouri from group designed to help combat uh, voter fraud. Uh, do you agree with the headline? No, I don't agree with the headline at all. In fact, there were specific prohibitions in the ERIC agreement that stopped us from being able to go after voter fraud. Those were some of the provisions that I suggested needed to be changed if I was going to continue in it. But I am happy if this means that the Missouri Independent is finally concerned about making sure that elections are well run and that people make the decision. Uh, Eric, Electronic Registration Information Center, uh, you pulled us out of it. Uh, so what's the first of all, tell us what this is. Um, it was a consortium of states, uh, mainly Democrat, that uh, traded voter data Uh, ostensibly to help clean their voter rolls. And there were some things that the organization did that did help us clean our voter rolls. We, uh, I think we got better change of address information more rapidly than we did before we joined Eric. We we got better uh, data on people that died in the United States. It helped us to remove people from the rolls, but there were other problems with it. We, uh, it, it, it didn't require member states to participate in addressing multi-state voter fraud. That's one of the greatest benefits of exchanging data is so that we can see if someone voted in Missouri and in another state, and most states were not participating in that part of it. It was more focused on adding names or attempting to add names to the voter rolls of people that had already declined to become registered than it was at rooting out voter fraud. It had really hyper-partisan individuals that were part of the board that didn't need to be there. Uh, It restricted how Missouri could utilize the data that we received in our governance so that we weren't able to use it as efficiently as we should for the taxpayers. And of course, only three of the states that Missouri borders, and we border eight of them, are members of ERIC. So it limited the potential for ERIC to help us there also. And when they refused to make changes in November that I've been working on really for the past year, 
made my decision easy. Now, I I need to correct something I said earlier because I, I guess I thought most of the states were participating in Eric, but it looks like, you know, around 30 and now three are, are, are going with you. Are, is there any movement to create some sort of group amongst the states that have all departed from Eric? Um, and what have those conversations uh, with the other states as you've made this departure been like? There's a lot of discussion about how can we do a good job of cleaning our voter rolls? How can we do a good job of making sure that if people are cheating, we find them? Um, it's not just about creating something like Eric. It's looking at how has technology advanced since Eric was designed? How much of this can an individual state do by itself? So it's not sending voter data. So there isn't a big database of voter data someplace else. Uh, those, as I was working for the last year to change Eric, with several other states there were a couple other states that were more focused on what the alternatives were those are going to continue uh, i can assure the people of missouri we will be able to keep our voter rolls clean we will continue to do what we should for them without being an eric secretary of state jay ashcroft joining us this morning here on wake up mid-missouri talking about missouri withdrawing from the electronic registration information center or known as eric Jay, I had a question. I talked to a former mid-Missouri county clerk not that long ago, and it was in reference to the election bill that we've talked to you about repeatedly that the governor signed into law last year. But I was trying to get some clarification from him on the line that said, makes the paper ballot the official ballot and prohibits the use of electronic vote counting machines after January of next year. Could you maybe elaborate on that for the listeners? They'll still be machines you put your ballot into, correct? There will still be machines, generally speaking, there will be machines that print out your ballot after you use the touchscreen. Some places you'll have a paper ballot that you'll use the pen to mark. But the idea there is we will never have machines where your ballot is registered or kept just electronically. There will always be a piece of paper that the voter can look at and say, this is my ballot. We can check what's on that ballot, and then that ballot will be either hand-counted or tabulated through a machine, but it's not just going to be digital ones and zeros. If there's a recount, if there's a discrepancy, there's a paper ballot we go back to and say, what does it say? Mr. Secretary, I'd like to go back to Eric, if I may. Uh, it's just a fascinating discussion. And I know our Boone County clerk, who you know and, and uh, get along with, although she's a Democrat and you're a Republican, she did, I, I think she disagrees with you on this. I take it from her tweet yesterday because she links to an article in the Missouri Independent. And this is what she writes in her quote tweet, uh, quote tweet, and I'll get your thoughts on it. She says, quote, I know this is an unrealistic and futile wish, but I would really, really love if election administration decisions were based exclusively on data, facts, and voter-focused considerations, end of quote. Mr. Secretary, your response to that? I don't disagree. I wish they were, and I wish that that was how Eric had operated, and that when uh, multiple states brought them concerns and said these are problems with the governing documents, we've suggested ways they could be solved, that Eric would have uh, just gone according to the facts and the data and made those changes. But unfortunately, partisanship was part of that, uh, as the Boone County clerk well knows. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Uh, are you going to be, uh, there's a big dinner tonight uh, for John Rizzo for the annual Statesman of the Year honor. Are you going to be there? You know, I, I have a real problem going to honor someone who was actually elected based on vote fraud. <laughs> and what do you mean by that? When he was first elected to the Missouri House, 
before he was a Senate minority leader. He was in a heavily Democrat district, which means that if you win the primary, you, you are assured of winning the general election. He won that primary by one vote. And subsequent to that election, uh, an aunt and an uncle both uh, agreed in court. They admitted uh, they pled guilty that they had illegally voted in that election. And that's why he got elected. So two people pled guilty to voting illegally, and that gave him the one vote to win? Yes. Does he know this? I mean, it's probably he does. There were uh, there was all sorts of I mean, the Kansas City Star at the time even published an article on it. Multiple articles on it. Okay. It received attention. I don't recall the specific details, Brandon, but, uh, you know, the I, as I recall, it was, uh, well, it just, it was, I want to say it was 2010, but I don't recall the yeah, specifics. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, it was talking about a house, house seat at that time. Well, I'll ask him about that tonight, Secretary. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, I'm, uh, and it was a family member of Rizzo's, wasn't it, Jay? Uh, yes. Um, I believe it was his... Aunt and uncle, his uncle John Moratina, uh, pleaded guilty to a federal felony count of voter fraud in the August 2010 Democratic primary in Missouri's 40th legislative district. John and Clara Moratina. How about that? Mm. As the Kansas City Star said, the I quote, the wrong candidate was declared the winner of the 2010 Democratic <laughs> primary. All right. Uh, so to answer the question, uh, you won't be at this thing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Secretary. I will not. All right. Hey, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, we do appreciate you being available. I want to take you behind the scenes a little bit. There's usually something we don't mention, but sometimes, you know, we might plan on having somebody on a few days in advance to talk about stuff. And then there's other times when something happens, you text them like, hey, can you do this? This and and I think it is important uh, that folks know that you are uh, available to us on basically a moment's notice. We appreciate that. You have a great day. I won't see you tonight at this event. You too. Thank you very much. Bye, Thank you, sir. Brandon, just a quick traffic note. There is a traffic crash right now on, uh, and it's not a fatality. It's not serious. It is tying up traffic on Nifong, very close to the high V here in Columbia, uh, South Columbia right now to avoid that area if at all possible. Okay. And I want to go, thank you very much. Yeah. And I want to go back to something I think that we need to do, need to mention this since this was taking place right at this time yesterday. Congressman Blaine Lutgemeyer was on the uh, show and we have, uh, blown up, uh, on, Matt Gates's Twitter accounts. As a matter of fact, it's one of his best performing tweets as far as shares. It's outperforming one of his CPAC tweets. Uh, but we had Congressman Blaine Lukemeyer. I want to play the audio so you can hear this before we move on to the uh, to the morning bell business news with a little twist. Only Stephanie Bell can give you. But uh, Stephanie asked what, and kudos to Stephanie. I said this on the Randy Tobler show yesterday. Stephanie asked a question about more cameras in some of these House hearings. This was spurred by the uh, confirmation process for Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And they're talking, hey, we should put in some more cameras. And and it was one of those questions. I thought it was a really interesting question. And so what we're going to play here is kind of the end of Blaine answering Stephanie's question about, well, if you want to have more cameras, we'd see this, this, and that. And I, I got to tell you, he does not mention any specific names. Sell themselves so they could go out and raise money and become more important. It's amazing. So you want more of that? put cameras in the chamber and then all we have is a show so let me ask you this congressman so if we had more cameras in the chamber we would have been able to see people let's say like matt gates come in make his news bite sound clip and then walk back out and go tell the media about it instead of staying in there conducting business 
Yeah, well, if you followed him out, that's what you would have seen because Matt is, you know, he, he, Matt made the comment when he came to Congress that he wanted to become the Congress and become famous and get his own TV show. His parents are very wealthy. His dad's a, a lawyer. They built him a studio in their own home in their basement so that he could perfect his, his ability to perform in front of the camera. So he is the poster child for these guys. He's a, he, he doesn't even belong to the Freedom Caucus. Now, He's so crazy. They don't even. He doesn't even belong to the Freedom Caucus. So when people use Matt Gates as a, as an example of, of who we need to be like, I'm sorry, that is not who we need to be like. John Combest has a great website, johncombest.com. It's kind of, he calls it the Missouri Drudge Report. It's a it's a collection of Missouri political news stories. Johncombest.com. So John Combest posted this on his Twitter. And then what happened <clears throat> next? Well, Matt Gates got a hold of it, and yesterday afternoon, my phone was flooded with text messages saying, did you see your face on Matt Gates's Twitter? And that was not on my bucket list for yesterday. <laughs> uh, Matt Gates <laughs> said, until this clip, I forgot. Blaine Luke DeMeyer was a member of Congress. He's a foolish husk of a human, apparently upset that I'm a more effective representative. And then he goes on to kind of say that he disagreed, that Blaine got some of the facts wrong. His dad didn't build a studio, or his dad wasn't a lawyer and didn't build a studio for him. Um, and he supports cameras, basically. How many um, views of that tweet have we had now? Oh, gosh. Two, uh, 256, 256,000 shares. It is. and But I would say folks are really divided. I mean, there are some people showing up that are kind of supporting Matt Gates, and there are other plenty of folks in the feed that are saying, no, Luke DeMeyer has it right. They're saying regardless of whether your dad was a lawyer or not, regardless of whether he built you a studio, uh, Paul says two points remain. Your goal is basically to beyond Fox News to provide sound bites for Fox News and and two the only reason you are where you are is because of your wealthy and influential father and I think a lot of folks feel that way so that that was really my surprise yesterday is that I mean I think we knew that we we touched a nerve or you touched a nerve when you mentioned Matt Gates to Luke DeMeyer. I didn't. And clearly I mean clearly clearly Luke DeMeyer's comments I mean he's not if if Luke DeMeyer was really insignificant or he didn't even remember he was in Congress, he wouldn't have replied, right? Like, but clearly, Luke DeMeyer touched a nerve. And so, um, but it, it shows the division, and it actually shows the division in the Republican Party because people are very divided on who is right in this fight um, on Twitter. So your little old show, Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 250 and growing 256, best performing uh, tweet that he's had in days. And here's what I'm, I'm digging right above the tweet regarding Wake Up Mid-Missouri from uh, the nationally known Matt Gates is a tweet. Chris Rock is right. I saw the Chris Rock comedy special last night. It is good. It is smart. It is intelligent. Some of the stuff you're watching, you're like, oh, I know where he's going here. Uh, you don't. It's good. Coming up, Morning Bell business news. Little twist only Stephanie Bell can give you. What do we have this morning? You guys make so much fun of me about the selfie thing, but... This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathard. Twist only Stephanie Bell can give you. Dow futures and S&P futures are just slightly up. NASDAQ futures just... Or just slightly down. NASDAQ futures just slightly up this morning. Um, but really, things are about even. Uh, so your face, even despite your skincare regimen, might be... <laughs> Your ticket what does into this mean, Stephanie. <laughs> might be. Are you speaking your in general terms? <laughs> or are you speaking to somebody directly? 
Well, I noticed it because traveling recently, some airlines are actually using it as your boarding pass. If you're traveling internationally, they've got your face already from your passport. And then when I went to board the plane, I didn't have to scan my boarding pass. They just, I went up to a little computer thing. It looked at my face and it, they said, all right. And I said, well, that was, I was like, how do they have my face? And I was like, well, I guess they got my Because I put out thousands of selfies every day on right? social They're media. like, there's that Stephanie Bell gal. Um, so, but other people, so they're starting to use this more and more. And uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal from somebody who actually did it at a conference. And I thought, well, that's kind of handy because I go to a lot of conferences and waiting in line for your badge and then for them to scan your badge or whatever. And he, you know, you basically just walk down a line. And the this is Wake Up Mid Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Apparently urinated on another flyer. Just boop. But it's the caption that Fox News put on it. American Airlines passenger arrested after allegedly urinating on another flight. When they posted it on Instagram, the caption was something along the lines of the 21-year-old created his own jet stream or something. <laughs> I had to send it to Hannah because yes. I was like, they're stealing your Hannah-isms, Hannah. It was so good. Epic. Welcome to the show. It's Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Uh, Stephanie Bell, back fresh from CPAC. They said for flying out loud. <laughs> that was what it was about the pee. <laughs> Well, and what's the old adage? Better to be uh, pissed off than on. Oh, gosh. Might apply. That is from uh, yesterday. Shall we bring that up? There's another flight, uh, another story about flying. Now, Stephanie Bell flies all the time. Uh, so we, I always pay attention to these stories. I'm, I'm worried I'm going to end up on TikTok because somebody's going to be sitting on uh, a plane next to me and then be offended that I'm wearing flip-flops on the airplane. I mean, as long as you don't bring an entire rack of ribs in a pizza box, you should be okay, <laughs> which we've also heard about. Yeah. Uh, but a man tried to uh, uh, stab a United Airlines flight attendant. This was on a, uh, a flight, cross-country flight. Uh, left one side of the country, went to the other side. And apparently, somehow, the dude's name is Francisco Severo Torres, 33, charged with one count of interference, attempted interference with a uh, flight crew. He's flying from L.A. to Boston. Uh, and it's just insane because, and I always try to think about these things. Okay, like what if I, if this were to actually happen to one of us here on the show? Like if you're on an airplane, how do you deal with something like that? And, and what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you offline? Do you have any, uh, uh, I had my, the worst thing, not the worst thing, the strangest thing that's ever happened to me while flying. I was flying from Denver to Salt Lake City and this young lady got on a plane. She'd just come from a funeral. No kidding. She brought pictures and showed me pictures of the body and the casket. The girl was, <laughs> right, cool. John? It, yeah. Yo. And you're just sitting there the whole time going, wow, I'm sorry for your loss. And then she brings, oh, yeah. And, and this was, you know, pre-phone uh, uh, cameras. And she's just showing me these pictures. And I'm like, my goodness. We talked about eating. And, um, no, there was, like, this teenage girl sitting next to me. And she had, like, hot Panera macaroni and cheese. And I, so I was already mad at, to begin with. And then she decided she couldn't figure out how to throw the stuff away. And so she decided, and her fork wouldn't fit in the tiny bowl. So she decided, I'm going to break this plastic fork in two. <laughs> so um, she had these long fingernails. It was, anyway, it was just gross. She decides to snap the fork. The fork breaks into a thousand pieces yep. and sends a sticky macaroni and cheese filled spit covered shards all over me, all over my stuff. <laughs> nice. It was really gross. You know what triggers me? What? I think people that bring food on an airplane. Yes. But we ha yes. yes. Hannah, somebody got caught with an entire rack of ribs in the middle seat. Yep. yep. Wow. In a pizza box. Any hot food, anything stinky, tuna, I don't care. 
it's if it smells yeah. stick to the dry roasted nuts would you i feel bad enough eating hard-boiled eggs in the studio much less that's a party foul right there especially, Sorry. especially when where do you typically get your hard-boiled eggs from the gas station that only happened once. <laughs> and only once. Oh, <laughs> that was a mistake. There are just rules. And also people who wear flip-flops on the airplane. <laughs> I am sorry. You need to wear actual shoes. So then when you go through security, do they make you take the flip-flops yeah. off? And then your feet touch the bare floor of the... Yeah. It's easier than taking off shoes and socks. Ugh. It's convenient. You are like a germaphobe. Yeah. All the stuff, all the pee yeah, that from the bathroom that is on the on the sole of other people's shoes is now on your bare feet. Blech. Their feet. I don't eat with my feet. Their feet. Then they're in your... Oh, mm-mm. Nope. Uh, welcome into the show. It's Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather. There's Stephanie Powell. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Brian Hosworth is here. Interesting comments from... <laughs> from, from <laughs> do you remember the Rizzo thing? I thought uh, Ashcroft was from... fired up, but were, do you remember this whole voter fraud case? I, I, know, I, I, do, yeah. I do. I do remember it, but I'm, be, I'm being careful because I... There, I was working in Moberly at the time, and I literally was, was, was uh, and John will remember this, I was swamped with Mamtech. I remember it. I don't remember it being family members. I, I, and I don't think there was any evidence he knew about it. I, I don't, uh, I'm going, John, from memory on that. But regardless, Ashcroft kind of slammed Rizzo uh, to a certain extent there. Said that, so I don't know. I think it was an uncle, you said? Uncle and an aunt, according to the Kansas yeah. City Star. And, and it was it was a very tight primary. Um, one you know, vote in primary. The, the perception from people at the time, I remember, is that Rizzo would get beat in the next election. Not only did he not, he was reelected two other times. He won in 12, won in 14, elected the Senate 16. He is the Senate minority leader. So it has not... Um, I, Brandon asked a, kind of an innocent question. I was a little, little surprised, but he uh, Ashcroft feels strongly about it. It's ob obvious. For but I'm, imagine how many people would be mad if Carl Scalo here in Columbia would have won by one vote. And later we would have found out members of his family would have fraudulently vote, submitted two votes. I mean, that would have been crazy. Carl Scala was a former city councilman about the wokest person on a woke city council this guy pickleball i understand pickleball carried a tattoo he had a tattoo cut off his arm carried it around in his wallet had a ponytail but it had short enough hair like shouldn't be wearing a ponytail drove a little convertible through town with personalized plates that said get this scala uh, and he would talk like, why and he got outwoked by a self-described black gay cross-dressing hair dresser uh after a runoff because the original vote tie. tied they tied right. out of 2400 votes sometimes in some of these townships you might get like you know an 8-8 tie or a 15-15 tie this was 12 i think it was like 1200 plus votes a piece and they tied so to tie into the stephanie uh, what stephanie's talking about we asked secretary of state jay ashcroft who joined us on the show earlier you can go back to the podcast and check it out when it gets posted here shortly uh we were talking about Missouri being removed. He removes uh, Missouri from uh, Eric, the electronic registration information voting system. I'm sure I've got that wrong. But just as so we sorry. were 
we were hanging up. I was asking him, hey, there's and there's a Statesman of the Year uh, award. It's got some big sponsors, and every year somebody else is honored as Statesman it's of the Year. very bipartisan, by the way. Yeah, it everybody is, is there. Ev- everybody from both, well, not everybody, but most people. Well, Jay Ashcroft <laughs> won't be there. Yeah, just about everybody. Uh, but, John, it's kind of like a, it's a big event. It's a big deal. Missouri Times, I think, sponsoring it. But I'd completely forgotten about the deal, the allegations with the with the uncle of John Rizzo back in the day and the one vote thing. So, so I asked Secretary of State. So last year, the uh, the guy that was honored was Roy Blunt. Uh, this year, it's uh, John Rizzo. He's the uh, Senate president. He's the, the Senate, 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 Senate minority leader, Senate Democratic leader, floor leader in the in the Senate. Um, and so I just asked him, like, casually, because everybody goes to this thing tonight. Stephanie's going to be there. I'll be there. And just asked, hey, we're going to see you at the John Rizzo thing. And he he, he shut my uh, my mouth. I was speechless when he said, no, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to go to an event that honors somebody that won via voter fraud. And, and again, I, well, uh, my memory from, from that, I don't believe there's any evidence that I'm going from memory here. I don't believe there's any evidence that John Rizzo knew knew about yeah. that, that I that I can recall. Granted, we're talking about something that happened 13 years ago. I wasn't I wasn't here. It got a lot of attention, but uh, he feels very strongly about it. Um, and I and I, uh, in fairness to Rizzo, we had Mike Burnscatter on Friday, and I asked him about John Rizzo, and he said he's very well respected by both sides of the aisle. That that he he said that he said there'll be a big big turnout tonight. All right, Stuart, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Uh, good morning, Brandon. I have an airplane story for Stephanie. Uh, I typically am not bothered by germs and dirt and whatnot, but I was on a flight, I don't remember where, and a guy broke out his Norelco razor and was shaving Ooh. on the airplane, oh. and I could just see the hair oh. and the flecks of skin flying through the air. It was... <laughs> That is gross. <laughs> that is right up there with the fingernail clipping on the airplane. Nasty, Yuck. yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Stuart. We appreciate that. 874-9390. Coming up just a few minutes from now, when it comes to, and, you know, we're very open about uh, mental health, taking care of ourselves in a mental fashion. Uh, and we always think, well, you know, there's, there's, it's this way. This is how you do counseling for adults. Maybe some options. Folks from Center Point Hospital, Columbia. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. All right, leftovers here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. One of the things we like to do before we get into the Gary Nolan Show here at 9 o'clock, we open up our refrigerator and see what we have in the way of leftovers. One of the things, a couple of states, at least two that I'm aware of, New York and California enacted pay transparency laws. In other words, let's say you were to go to midmohires.com, which is a great resource for local jobs. You get on there and and you're a business and you're like, hey, I need to post this job, uh, but I need to keep the salary uh, private for whatever reasons. Well, you wouldn't be able to do that if you're in California or New York. So how do employers, you know, people that dump all their tax money into these states, how do they feel about these pay transparency laws? They're not happy. Not fans at all. Uh, That's one of those I told you so <laughs> stories. Yeah. What do we... We don't like to say we told you so, but... We told you so. Uh, welcome to the show. Wake up, Mid-Missouri. John Marsh, Stephanie Bell. I am uh, Brandon Rathard. Also wanted to bring in the folks from Center Point Hospital of Columbia, from the outpatient department specifically. Uh, we have... I don't know if this has ever happened in the show. I'm trying to think offhand, but two guests, same name, Elizabeth and Elizabeth. 
Elizabeth Atkinson and Elizabeth Farah joining us on the show. And I wanted to take just a few minutes here, Elizabeth, um, to talk about the outpatient services at Centerpoint uh, in Columbia, because I think people don't always understand. Oh, I got to go in and do something. Tell us about outpatient services at Centerpoint Columbia. Yeah, hi, Brandon. Thank you for having us. This is Elizabeth Sarah speaking. Um, our outpatient services, we have a wide variety of things kind of going on at Centerpoint right now, and we're continuing to expand. But right now, our main programs follow partial hospitalization, which is actually just a day treatment program for those that might be coming out of the hospital or may not meet criteria to go in the hospital but still need daily support. Um, and then kind of like a less... Um, severe like kind of um, treatment program is our intensive outpatient and we offer that both virtually to anyone in the state and in person and that's really just a group therapy setting so it, we cover all sorts of topics um, from grief to communication to coping skills to boundaries um, and we can give them a lot of information about their diagnoses as well. I think there's a lot of people, I think even in my circle of life, could benefit from grief counseling. People say, well, the pain is so much, and I deal all these years with this stuff. Well, something like this, Centerpoint Columbia, um, can, uh, can help. So what can somebody expect to learn in intensive outpatient services? Oh, well, there's a wide variety that we cover, and it changes every week. And we kind of meet our clients where their needs with, that need to be met. We cover coping skills, healthy boundaries. Um, we talk about their diagnoses to include anxiety, depression, bipolar. Um, we promote a lot of self-care and self-compassion, um, again, in that grief and loss, guilt and shame, and even just conflict resolution. Um, I think these are all things that... Um, everybody can relate to and what's great about Centerpoint Outpatient and this group therapy setting is that we can learn from each other. You know, that's a very unique setting that we don't see a lot of right now. Um, and so it's, it's a really, really great program. Elizabeth Atkinson, Elizabeth Farah from Centerpoint Hospital of Columbia joining us. I'm guessing there's some folks listening right now. And I think it's usually dudes, but I'm stereotyping. Do you get folks that are like, well, I don't, I don't need counseling. I don't want to do counseling. I'll pick myself up by my bootstraps, which, <coughs> by the way, is impossible uh, to do. Do you get folks that get hesitant uh, about seeking counseling services? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's pretty and is it usually dudes? Thing. Is it usually us dudes? Um, I would say it's probably a mix of both, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, and we definitely see that quite often. Um, we always say that the first step is the hardest, but we try to make the process as smooth and as easy as possible um, so that people can kind of get oriented to the program. You know, and our virtual option is a great option for those who are hesitant, um, even if that's a starting point, you know, to get you any type of guidance and help that you need. Um, we can even do the assessments over the phone or virtually. Um, so just kind of taking a little bit of the stress out of it. Well, I think that's what people that I have talked to, and I'm, listen, I've been, I've been through therapy, whether it's group settings, psychiatry, and treatment for addiction uh, issues. And one of the reasons I've now, I'm on my 925th day without a drink, I'd been through treatment centers. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'd been through treatment centers before, but had never done outpatient. I don't need outpatient. I know what I need to do. And it was strongly encouraged by 
the people who put money into my bank account a couple of times a month. Why don't you do the outpatient because you've been through treatment numerous times and it's still not working. Uh, and I did outpatient and it's apparently it's it's made a difference. And for that, I am grateful. So I like to encourage people, whatever your thing is. Um, you know, the folks at Centerpoint Columbia, they can they can help you with you, whatever it is. Uh, if somebody's looking to get some additional information, whether for themselves or for somebody else, how do we do that? Actually, easily accessible. Uh, no referrals needed. Our direct number here for Centerpoint Outpatient is 573-615-2010. And one great thing, we currently don't have a wait list. You know, we, there's a lot of, um, a, a lack of providers in mental health care right now. Um, and that's one thing we're priding ourselves on at the moment, that we don't have a wait list. So if this is something that, um, you know, anyone is thinking of doing, um, reach out and we can kind of walk you through the process and um, kind of figure out what your needs are. Please do, because if, especially if you're one of those that's kind of hesitant about it, um, I can tell you as a 52-year-old uh, dude who sometimes takes a lot of pride, I can handle my own business. I have found the benefits of counseling, therapy, what I've found them to be very, very valuable, and I would hope that you don't let, uh, I hope you don't let your pride get in the way. Our guest this morning, Elizabeth Farrah and Elizabeth Atkinson, Centerpoint, Columbia. By the way, uh, you guys know Ken Scobie? Yeah, we yes. do. Yeah, uh, at Centerpoint, uh, he's a good, uh, besides what he does on a professional level, tell him I said hello. He's a good human being, all right? Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We appreciate you guys joining us this morning here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, Gary Nolan Show.